You're listening to another episode of Lords of Limited with your hosts Ben Warney and Ethan Sachs. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode three of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and on the line is Ethan. Ethan, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, man. I'm really excited to talk about this new set. Yeah, new set has been sweet for sure. I've been jamming a ton of drafts, and I know you have too. Um, you're also you're also doing a, a play, so I imagine you've been pretty busy this week. How's that been going? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, actually, tonight is our opening night performance, so we've had some some long rehearsal days this week. So I've unfortunately not been able to degenerately draft as much as I would like. But I'm really excited about the play. It's very funny. It's called The Liar, um, and uh, I got some fam in town, and my wife's going to get a chance to see it tonight. So. Yeah, really excited getting to do like the two things I like to do the most, which is act and play magic. So can't complain. How about you? Yeah, I've had had band camp all week, so I've also been pretty busy. Uh, been learning the new shows week one of band camp. Uh, I think we're gonna have a, a great season. Kids have been great. Kids have been working hard. And then I've been literally coming home and drafting. So I also have been <laughs> doing the two things I love all week. I've been going to band and then coming home and jamming drafts to, to do research for the podcast and i would be doing i would be jamming drafts anyway let's be honest yeah right no yeah it's all it's all for science i i probably have drafted like slightly more than i would have because of the podcast but just just slightly what have you been doing on the uh the old trophy leaderboard where where are you at these days i know i know you've been crushing it yeah so for those who are not um magic online grinders uh trophies represent a 3-0 in a draft league so a draft league is uh where you do have a draft pod of eight people but once you have your deck assembled you may be paired with anyone else who's in the draft league which is uh, thousands of people uh are in that pool so you're almost certainly not going to be paired against someone in your draft pod but so a league uh, trophy represents three owing with a certain deck that you draft. So when we talk about the trophy leaderboard, that's what we're talking about. Um, yeah, I have been doing insanely well. Uh, I've not started off a format like this before. I have currently have 10 trophies in 20 drafts. Um, my record is 44 and 12 in matches. That is insane. Yeah. So you're like 80% win rate almost. Yeah. I mean, this, I'm sure it will level out right now, but I do feel like from doing the set review for the podcast, I just like was so much more prepared than I've ever been for a format. Plus the amount that I had drafted Amonkhet, I just feel like I have an edge right now over people who are drafting it for the first time or looking at the cards for the first time, which I think is almost certainly the case with a lot of people who are drafting within the first few days of this new format. Yeah, that is that is awesome. Seriously, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, how about you? How, how are things going for you? Yeah, I've been doing, uh, I started out a little, little rocky, got stuck in, uh, 2-1 Purgatory a lot. And, uh, <laughs> last night I finally, I finally got it together. Uh, I got a few trophies. So I've got, I've got three trophies to my name mm-hmm. out of 15 drafts. Nice. Um, so my, I've got three three O's. I've got eight two ones. Um, five, five of those were finals appearances. Oh, God. Uh, were losses. That's so brutal. I'm, I'm three and five in the finals. Ugh. Um, so I've, I've been to the finals in over, over half of my drafts. And then I've got, two one twos and two oh two drops yeah um so those are my those are my stats so far nice um yeah so i think i I, i'm a little below average from where i would expect to be uh at the beginning of a format but i mean not too shabby overall especially with five final appearances without making it that just feels like below expectation for you like you're that's gonna balance out yeah well it's just it's a it's unusual in leagues right i personally i think since i love leagues don't get me wrong Mm -hmm. um but i think my overall like 3-0 rate maybe has gone down slightly once they started leagues because i think a lot of my edge comes in drafting my draft pod really well yes Uh, and that's where my biggest edge over my competitors comes in so i think i think it takes a really extra special draft 
to three I think three owing a league is harder than three owing a draft pod. You're sometimes. not necessarily playing against right in the draft pod. You're theoretically playing against the other best deck in the finals. Uh, but in a league, you're like playing against some other fantastic deck that's gone two zero, and they might have just gotten better cards in their pod than you. You know, right. So should we talk about some like general thoughts on the format, like things you've had success with or not had success with so far? Yeah, for sure. I think the biggest, and actually when I really started having success, I talked to you a couple days ago on your stream. I was like, look, you're crushing it. Tell me what to do. <laughs> and, or maybe it was somebody else. I don't remember. But you said you said to me or the listeners, whoever it was, the viewers, that they should just think Amonkhet. And once I once I started doing that, just trying to draft really like I was drafting, like with the format the same as Amonkhet, I started having a lot more success. Oh, interesting. So that was that was kind of a turning point for me. I think what what's what's been working well for you? Yeah, I mean, so just like a, by the numbers thing, and obviously like a small sample size. So I've done twenty drafts so far, um, and I have four. I'm fourteen and one with red white. So I've trophied four times with red white and two ones another time. <laughs> and I think that's just like I'm just seeing Oketra's attendant and uh, the oh my god, I'm so bad at names. Oketra's, Oketra's Avenger, right? Is that right? Could that be right? Yeah, Oketra's Avenger and the two three menace, the red guy, the three drop. Kenra Scrapper, I am going to crush you and name that card. I know, I tell you, I'm terrible at this. Uh, <laughs> so I just see those way later than they should be going. I think those cards are super high picks. So I think, like, Shocker, Red White Aggressive is still a deck in this format, um, and I don't think it got much worse. Like, I think the power level on Hour of Devastation is lower than Amonkhet, um, but Red White is still very good. And you do have, there is, like, a slight edge to thinking about, well, if I am in this deck, if this deck is for this seat... What cards am I going to get in that last pack? And Red White just has such a... If you are in Red White, you're going to get such a hookup in that third pack um, that I feel like your deck gets really strong. And the other deck that I've had a lot of success with is Blue White. I'm uh, 10 and 2. I have two three O's and two two ones with that. Very nice. So um, I, w- I want to back up to Red White for yeah. just a second because I've also had a ton of success with Red White. Mm-hmm. One of my trophies was Red White. Mm-hmm. I actually think Red White got better with the addition of Hour. What do you think about that? Um, it's tough to know because I think it got, I think it got slower. Uh, that's one of the things. And it's just different because it's, I feel like the other red white deck was a lot of cartouche and trial based synergies. And it doesn't feel to me like red white is like go wide anymore. No, Um, I don't think it is. I think, I think it, but I think the removal, like I I was thinking the format was going to slow down because there was so much removal. Mm -hmm. And I actually think the fact that the aggressive decks have access to all this premium removal at common now just made them that much, made them have that much more punch. Like Mm. the fact that your red white decks get a braid and open fire and the four mana deal five exile something. Puncturing blow. Puncturing blow. Thank you. Very nice. (laughs) Coming back. I think all those things combined to give red, make red white even better like i think it's got more late game punch because you can remove blockers out of the way with more uh regularity than you could you're not relying on mising off of like your red cartouche you just actually have a very good spell in that slot it doesn't feel like a deck where if i haven't won by turn six i'm gonna lose which is what it felt like to me in triple amonkhet i mean that's a little bit uh hyperbolic but i did sort of feel it didn't feel like those decks had reach and i feel like it does now Yep, I absolutely agree. So, so you read red, white, blue, white. Anything else that's really been standing out for you? Not really. I mean, I've like you know my one blue black deck I three owed with, but like you know I don't have a lot of sample size, and I have not drafted red, black, or white, green yet. 
So my, my three O's were red, white, just aggressive with a little bit of removal. Uh, and then I had a white, black kind of proactive deck with tons of premium removal. And then a red, black deck with like just normal dudes and tons and tons of premium removal again. Yeah. And it, it was a red, black aggressive deck with just clunker filler type cards for the creatures and just tons of great, great, great removal. So I want to ask you a question. If I had my druthers for triple Amonkhet and someone was like, you can have the best deck you like the best deck of an archetype, what do you want? I would have said White Black Zombies. Um, for me, I thought when that deck came together, it was like nearly unstoppable. What do you think of White Black Zombies in Hour of Devastation? Uh, I think it got weaker. Why do you uh, think it got it was, weaker? Uh, because there's not like great... I think all the premium uncommons are in Amonkhet, and you only get one pack of them, right? The Zombie mm-hmm. Lord is in Amonkhet. The White Black Drain card is Wayward in Amonkhet. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Uh, look at you tossing those card names in there like a pro. <laughs> yeah, so the, all those cards are in Amonkhet, so you only get one pack, and they might not get opened. And I think the payoff, the, the zombie build-around cards in Hour of Devastation are not as good, right? Like, they give things indestructible, or they give them lifelink. They're just not not as high-powered. Yeah. Binding Mummy, also one of the best cards for that deck, only in Amonkhet. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's still there, but I don't think it's as good or is... Like, I think if White Black Zombies is open and you read that in packs one and pack two, you're just kind of hoping for those cards to get opened in pack three, which I don't think is a great place to be. And even if you are White Black, you're not guaranteed that someone who's in black to your right, who opens Lord of the Accursed, isn't just going to take it. And that's one of the things you really want for that deck. Yeah, I I totally agree. I've been struggling with it because I was really high on that White Black Uncommon at the start of the format because I was like, oh, that like White Black Zombies is a fantastic deck and this must be like a premium card for it. But it just doesn't quite seem like other than that card, there doesn't seem like a lot of zombie synergies in the format. Um, Yeah, those are my initial thoughts on like the general feel of the format so far. Yeah, I think if I could pick pick a deck right now that I i could draft in this format i think it would be white red yeah me me too for sure that seems like the early front runner to me yeah um so we're gonna get into a feature of the podcast which we're gonna call the round table but before we do that we have one addendum we need to make to our uh rare and mythic rare episode which is that we left out a card like a bunch of dummies um, we need to add our boy Kenra Eternal. Oh no, sorry, Resilient Kenra to the list. Um, so Resilient Kenra is a one and a green for a two-two creature jackal wizard, uh, and it's the cycle of the uh, rare internal eternalizers. It says uh, when Resilient Kenra enters the battlefield, you may have target creature get plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is Resilient Kenra's power, and it has eternalized for four green green. So. You can pay six mana, you'll get it as a 4-4, and it's going to come in and give a creature plus four, plus four until end of turn. Have you had a chance to play with this yet? I have not, uh, nor has it been played against with me. Uh, against me, I think it's just a, I think it's a solid guy, right? I don't think it really m- makes me want to play green. I, I would say it's like a high three and a half stars, low four stars. Mm-hmm. Um, all, all of those guys have done serious work, and I think they're all good. I don't know if this one's quite good enough to make me want to play green. Do you remember in, I think it was Magic Origins, but I think it was a reprint, there was a 2 and a green for a 2-2 two, two, that when it came in, it gave a creature plus 2, plus 2 until end of turn. It was an elf. There was like a yes. elf synergies yep. in Magic Origins. And that card was like pretty good. 
Um, like ha- it had a sort of snowball effect because if you could get a few of them, like it was cool to like chain them together turn after turn or whatever. Um, this doesn't quite have that opportunity being it rare, but I have had a chance to play with this card and I think it's quite good. Okay. Just like, like the, the red one of this cycle, that's the two one that, uh, has haste and makes a creature not be able to block until end of turn. This one just like is very good. It like basically comes in, gets a creature into attack. I guess unless you're playing it on turn two where it's just a bear. Um, and then if at any time later you get to eternalize this, it's pretty big beating. Like a 4-4 that gives something plus 4 plus 4 until end of turn is really, really good. Yeah, that makes sense to me because I had a chance to play with the red one last night for the first time and it was great. Yeah. It, it, and I think that was good enough to make me want to play red. So if you're saying this one's similar power level to that, I would I would trust you and, yeah. and say this makes me want to play green. So four stars? Yeah, I'd give it four stars for sure. Okay. Um, so yeah, do you want to do, do you want to do your crack a pack first here? Yeah, so we're going to do a pack one, pick one. So, so this segment, the round table is going to be, you know, I think at the start of the format, certainly today, we're going to talk about a few, uh, pack one, pick ones. Um, I think that's a good way to like ease into this format at the beginning. But as we get deeper into the format, I think we'll look at, at more difficult decisions. We may even look at some in-game decision making. Um, this is really going to be a place for us to like talk strategy, uh, in the draft and in gameplay. So the pack one pick one that I have is, uh, I think, really interesting. So uh, I think we'll go through all the cards, yeah, even though I think there's really only a handful that are going to stick out to me, um, but I think it'll yeah, give us a chance think... to, to talk about maybe some evaluations of cards that have changed. Yeah, I agree. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll go commons to rare here. So our first common is going to be Wretched Camel. That's uh, one and a black for a two-one zombie camel that uh, when it dies, if you have a desert in your graveyard or in play, they, the opponent discards a card. Yeah, that card, that card has gone up for me a little bit from what I thought about it in the set review. I have not had a chance to play it yet, but I've faced it down a few times. And it when you have a desert, it's pretty annoying sitting on the other side of the battlefield. I've actually made the mistake of really not wanting to discard a card, so I let it hit me a few times, and I think that actually ended up being a bigger problem down the road. So I I think that card is uh, slightly better than we gave it credit for in the set review. I totally agree. I think, in general, one of my addendums is that you do not get as punished for X1s as I thought you would in this format. Um, certainly you can, there are still cards out there, but I don't feel like they're as common as I thought they would be. Yeah. M- most of them, most of them are in Amonkhet, right? So there's only one, one pack of them. Yeah. And then the, the cards like Blur of Blades are sometimes main deckable, sometimes not depending on your deck, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Staticaster guy, like the pings for an exerter is an uncommon right. and he exerts when he pings yes. and he's only got one toughness himself. So he's fragile. Mm-hmm. I, I've not been feeling bad about playing one toughness cards. Yeah, exactly. So I think that makes it, that, that bumps this card up. I would probably, I, I don't remember what we gave it, but I would probably give it uh three stars here. Um, I, I agree. I would bump it up to three stars. Yeah. Uh, the next common here, just spoiler alert. We're not taking wretched camel out of this pack. Next pick is, uh, or next card in the pack is Without Weakness. That's the one in a black combat trick. Target creature gains indestructible until end of turn, and it has cycling for two colorless. I think this card yeah, we're not, is still bad. Yeah, we're not interested in that, yeah. Uh, next card is Unsummon, uh, one blue mana to bounce a creature to its owner's hand. Um, I want to talk about, actually, this is a fine t- time to talk about it. What is your take on bounce in this format? I think it's still good. I I haven't been picking Unsummon highly, and I have not been wheeling it, and I've been disappointed in my blue decks when I haven't been wheeling it. But I think there's a lot of combat tricks, and there's a lot of 
instant speed removal and i think having a way to interact at one mana and instant speed is something i would want in all of my blue decks as a one of yeah and i think i I think unsummon uh, i think i agree with that i have seen unsummon wheel but that just may have to do with the times when blue is open for my seat uh but yeah i think i'm a, I'm a little higher on it now i think i would probably bump it up to like two and a half three stars you may you probably just want exactly one in all your blue decks so if you had the choice between playing an unsummon or a winds of rebuke in your blue deck which which would you pick i mean unless i have because i've i've had that come up also and i wasn't sure about the answer to that yet if i have embalmers and eternalizers i think it's an easy winds of rebuke if not i would go unsummon okay good to know uh seer of the last tomorrow or we'll just call it the Ben Wernie Memorial card. That's yeah, my my boy. Two and a blue for a one four Naga cleric. It has blue tap. Discard a card to mill the opponent for three. It's a great uh, Drakehaven enabler, which is what I found out the other day. <laughs> oh my lord! That sounds like you went deep. <laughs> I did go deep. I, I had your uh, Eternity of Harsh Truths, the mill rare enchantment, and I did mill my. You mean opponent. fraying fraying insanity? Isn't that what it's called? Oh my god! What what card am I thinking of? That's the one three like scroll thief card, right? Yeah, maybe. Eternal we'll of Harsh Truths. Jesus. I think. I'm, uh, <laughs> I think I'm not going to be able to make the end segment of our episode. I think I have something <laughs> busy then. Um, anyway, I'm going to stop naming cards. I'll just keep describing them. So this, uh, yeah, I did mill someone out with that <laughs> enchantment creature combo. But this card, I think, is just bad. I am so- um, I do not think the mill deck is alive and well. Yeah, I think it's not good. I, I'm certainly going to draft it at some point in the format. I haven't had a chance to yet. I fifth picked a Fraying Insanity and did not get there, and that was one of my O2s. <laughs> mm. uh, next up is Puncturing Blow. It's two red red for a sorcery. It deals five damage to a creature. If the creature would die this turn, it is exiled instead. Text that I did not think was relevant until I played against the gods. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. man. The three... Uh, gold mythic rare gods in this format are stone cold bombs. If I gave them anything less than five and a half stars, I was insane. Uh, I have not had a chance to play with any of them, but I have played against all of them and they are so oppressive. That's funny. I also have not had a chance to play with them and I have played against all of them. <laughs> um, and the, it's, and I have had, punk, I have punctually blowed the card before and it is, it feels so good to be like, oh, there is a thing at common that lets me kill this. I think there's just good embalmers and eternalizers running around too, right? For so that sure. card's just pure pure upside. Four yeah. mana, five damage. I think I think it's better than Electrify. Oh, I don't for know. Sure. To cast. I think it's definitely better. Because I, I was thinking, I was like, oh, this is worse than Electrify, right? Like, it's harder to cast. It's a sorcery speed. I think it's way better than Electrify. I, th- I think the one damage makes a lot of difference too, right? Because yes. it shoots down Colossipedes and things like that. I totally agree. Yeah, I think this card is very, very good. All right, next up is Oasis Ritualist. This is three and a green for the 2-4 Naga Druid. Taps to add one mana of any color, or it can tap and exert to add two mana of any color. Still really like this guy. Yeah, I think you were right on about this card. Yeah. Uh, I think it's great in the green ramp slash controlly deck, and if you're in that deck, you should pick this accordingly highly. Yeah, and I, th- I just still think it's pretty underrated um, for those decks. Uh, we got a couple deserts up next. We have the White Desert and the Black Desert at Common. Desert of the True and Desert of the Glorified. Those are the lands that come into play tapped. Add uh, tap for a uh, white or black mana, respectively, and they can also be cycled for one and the color of their uh, tapping ability. Um, so, so important question. Yeah. Where, where have you found yourself picking the deserts? Um, I have found myself taking them like 
I'll probably start to take them around pick five is what I've been finding. Like if I'm like, if I have like three green cards and a white card and I get to a pack and there's like nothing really pulling me and there is a green desert there, that's what I'm taking. Even before I have any sort of desert synergies. Right. So what what I found for, for me, and maybe I'm wrong, I've been taking them. I've been very happy to take them on the wheel, like thrilled oh, yeah. to take them in my color on the wheel. Mm-hmm. And if I have a card that's like a build around desert card, that's really good, like Sand Strangler or mm-hmm. Unquenchable Thirst or Donald doesn't really quite qualify. That's the, the Gilded Ceridon, the 4-4 Tapper guy. Yeah. Um, but I do think he's good, but I, I wouldn't really think of him as a card that makes me really highly prioritize deserts. But if I have one of those types of cards, I'm, I'm going after them pretty aggressively. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've, you know, fourth, fifth pick. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's an interesting thing because I feel like, uh, when I, if I see like, there's also a, a cutoff in the two packs of hour of devastation where I feel like I can invest in those cards. Like if I get a sand strangler pack two, pick two, it's, I'm very nervous and I have no desert so far. I'm like, Oh man, like, is this worth taking here? Cause what, yeah, if, I agree. what if I don't get the three deserts or the two deserts in this pack because as i i mean i did say this in the set review but it doesn't really apply like yes there are deserts in amonkhet but they're not good like you, you run a painted bluffs you feel pretty bad about yourself in a two-color deck yeah i agree uh one, one thing i was thinking though is that that's why i've been saying you know i'm, I'm trying more to pick them up on the wheel mm-hmm. i think the uncommon desert build around cards are so powerful agree that you can't you you don't really get paid off for like taking deserts early and then like hoping to get those cards late because they're just so powerful if you have deserts that i think people are picking them pretty highly regardless of whether or not they have deserts it's also the like only thing that feels different about hour of devastation than triple amonkhet so i feel like people are are uh inclined more inclined to like take those now like early in the format to figure it out which is maybe why you're not seeing them as late as we might eventually see them i'm not sure yeah and have I also, while we're on the subject of deserts, have you have you had a chance to play If Near Deadlands yet? Uh, yeah, and I've also played against it. The card is insane. It's such a house. yeah. It's it's insanely good. Yeah, it feels insanely it feels good. so bad that they get to have their land be a premium removal spell. Like if if you have If Near Deadlands and like three deserts, your deck is infinitely better than it was without those four cards. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Next up is Avon Reed Stalker. That's three and a blue for a two three Bird Warrior with Flash and Flying. I'm still pretty low on this card. I agree. Not not interested. Uh, active Heroism. That's one and a white. Uh, it's an instant combat trick. Untapped target creature. Gets plus two, plus two until end of turn and can block an additional creature this turn. Um, I actually like having uh, one of these in my red-white exert decks. I agree. Or, or white-green exert. This card has done work both for me and against me. And I think it's... I think, yeah. I think you want it in all of your aggressive exert decks as a one-of. All right. Now we're moving into the good stuff. Vizier of the True. Three and a white for a 3-2 human cleric. You may exert Vizier of the True as it attacks. When you exert a creature, tap target creature and opponent controls. Yeah, card card is insanely good. The only knock on it is that if you're behind, it's a horrible, horrible blocker. Yeah, for sure. Next up is Quarry Beetle. That's four and a green for a 4-5 insect. When it enters the battlefield, you may return target land card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Um, I have not had a chance to play with or against this card, and I still think it's probably pretty low on my priority list. Yep, I'm in the exact same boat. 
Next up is Bane Whip Punisher. Two and a black for a 2-2 human warrior. When it enters the battlefield, you put a minus one, minus one counter on a creature, and you can pay a black to sacrifice it to destroy target creature that has a minus one, minus one counter on it. This card has just performed so strongly for me. It just, like, ruins any uh, Oketra's Avenger. Is that right? I think so. Yeah, Oketra's Avenger, you just, like, play that on turn two, and then your opponent goes Bane Whip Punisher destroy the best card in your deck it's really really rough um yeah just like this is this is one of those cards that punishes someone for playing x ones and uh it's really powerful because of it i think i agree card has been great for me and our rare in the pack is hour of promise four and a green search your library for two land cards put them into the play tapped and shuffle your library then if you control three or more deserts you get to make two 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 black zombie creature tokens I had a chance to play with this card in a green, like a four-color green ramp control deck, mm-hmm. and I had like four, maybe five deserts. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Either four or five deserts, and it was very, very good for me. Yeah, I played against this card once, and my and every time my opponent cast it, I was miserable because they had If Near Deadlands. Oh, no. <laughs> yep. Uh, so it was just like, oh, I'll go find the best card in my deck. And I get two tutus, and I'm going to start killing your creatures. It was really rough. Uh, this, this is definitely a build-around slash payoff type card for picking Deserts highly and being in the green Dirtle ramp deck. Right, but I feel like, I mean, what better time than to build around that card than pack one, pick one, and you see there are two Deserts in the pack. You might be able, and the, the pack is pretty strong, so you might be able to wheel one of them. Um, well, I'm, I'm not that high on it. I wouldn't be pack one, pick one in this card. Okay, great. So I think the things that stand out to me, I think the things... Are, it, it's between our Hour of Promise, Banewit Punisher, Vizier of the True, and Puncturing Blow. Those are the four cards that I... I, I agree I'm to me. At. I would narrow it down quickly to between Banewit Punisher and Vizier of the True. I agree. That's what I uh, That's what I narrowed it down between. Um, I think my... Uh, let me t- say my final choice before yeah. you tell tell everybody what you picked. I think, I think Banewit Punisher is the most powerful card in a vacuum i think but i like the deck that the vizier goes in so much better Ugh, that's a really tough choice yeah i think i think i would pick i think i would pick bane whip punisher as the better card Mm -hmm. but it was really really close yeah i did i did end up going with the vizier of the true uh okay and my reasoning was basically what you just said yeah i think bane whip punisher might be the better more powerful card but I've just had so much success with Red White, and uh, I, the Oketra's Avengers are going around so late. Oh my God, they are! So I, I kind of like... don't want to record this podcast because <laughs> I'm afraid I'm afraid we're going to impact the draft format, and I'm not going to get Oketra's Avengers eighth pick anymore. I know, but like that's I was like I can take Vizier the True because I know no one is taking the Avengers, and that card is so insanely good. And with Vizier the True, it just makes it way better. Yeah, can we can we talk quickly about how stone cold wrong I was about that Oketra's Avenger card? We can talk about it now. We'll we'll get to it when we re-rank the commons. <laughs> oh man, was I wrong? Yeah, it's great. Um, and I, mean, I and I realized it like the first time I faced it down, I was like, oh, you're like, oh no, Gus Walker's back. <laughs> yeah, it was. Oh man, I was I was so wrong. Yeah, but I realized it quickly, and I think that's pretty important too. Like for your card evaluation skills, is being able to adapt them once once you see the cards in action. Oh, for sure. It's it's so insane to me. Like I, I feel like. I mean, there were there are uh, cards that I will we'll want to talk about later, but um, 
I can envision the card in play, but until I, once I actually just see it cast once, I'm just like, oh, I understand how this card works, but there's no reason that I shouldn't be able to imagine that before, but there is something different about seeing your opponent cast it and go, oh no, that's how this card works, and it yep. is instantly recognizable. All right, I've got a, another pack one, pick one for us here Great. for the old round table. So take your seat. Yes, sir. I'm here. All right, we've got, uh, we'll go commons, uncommons, rare. Sounds good. All right, first common we've got here is Dauntless Aven. It's two and a white for a bird warrior, two one flyer. When it attacks, you untap target creature you control. Uh, this, we can mark this down as a card I was wrong about. Um, I think I, you, you had this in your top three commons. I did not, and I will have revised mine to include this card. While I do not think it belongs in every white deck, um, I think it's uh, such a house in the red-white exert decks, and I would assume white-green exert decks, so I haven't gotten to play with those yet. Um, just being able to exert a creature and untap it with this ability is so insane. Yep, I agree. Uh, I, I'm downgrading it from my best common, but I do feel, still think it's very good. Yeah um disposal mummy it's two and a white for a creature zombie jackal for a two three when it enters the battlefield exile target card from an opponent's graveyard we're probably still not very excited about this card right i had it as the second best common in our review but yeah oh no oh, <laughs> did you really no god i'm thinking of the stupid two two mummy um no disposal mummy's bad i've not i've not played this card or played against this card have yeah you? it's not great no uh, I have played it in a red white train wreck draft <laughs> that i still somehow squeaked a two one out with nice <laughs> Um, next up, we've got Dutiful Servants. A few white cards here in a row. Three and a white for a 2-5 creature zombie. Bad. Bad, bad, bad. Yep. Not happy to have this in your deck. Proven Combatant. 1-1 uh, one, one for a single blue. It's a creature, human warrior, and it has eternalized four blue blue. Basically, I want this if I have... God, well, I'm, not, I'm just going to not try and name any cards. I want this if I have the 2-4 uncommon that finds an eternalizer or embalmer and puts it in your graveyard. Are you possibly talking about Vizier of the Anointed? That was going to be what I was going to say, but then you were going to be like, no, that's the green rare that blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, oh, I'm so stupid. Um, yeah, that one. And uh, if I have a Dagger of the Worthy, that that makes me feel okay about running this main deck. But otherwise, I'm pretty not not thrilled about the, the one mana one one. I agree. Uh, that's also a fine sideboard card against a bunch of X1s, right? Mm -hmm, for that, sure. That don't exert. <laughs> that don't exert, right. Next up, we've got Stripe Riverwinder, your boy. Uh-oh. Uh, six six uh -oh. and a blue for a 5-5 five, five creature serpent. It's hexproof, and it's got cycling for a blue. Uh, Best blue common. This is probably the time to walk back the grade of Stripe Riverwinder. Um, <laughs> I was so... I don't know what I was really thinking when I decided this. I thought this card was so good. I was just like, hexproof at common. That's insane. I think but, you were like one of those, you were just like an ESPN announcer, right? That's trying to make, you're trying to make a news headline. That's right. Uh, I was dead wrong. We I rated this a three and a half stars. I thought it was the best blue common. It is not. It's probably more like a two and a half stars. Like you're cycling this more often than not when it's in your deck. When you play it, it's great, but. I don't even think that's necessarily true. What? That it's great when you play it all the time. There's like the Death Touch Rat. There's the Death Touch Scorpion. I think you have to play it and have ways to like enchant it up with a cartouche or like an aerial guide or something before it's really good. Um, yeah, I'm not so yeah, I, I, I'm not so down on it in that way. Like, yeah, I guess if you're playing against Black, you're maybe facing down some common Death Touch creatures, and that's going to be not great. Um, but uh, I, I still think it's. Or, or you have to have or you have to have combat tricks you have to have something to blow your opponent out when they double block it yes that's fair that's fair 
or removal. Like, it's not just a house on its own. No. It has to be backed up by other cards. It's not, yeah. Uh, I also gave it, I gave it three and a half plus, but I tempered it by making it my third, third best blue common, but mm-hmm. I also would downgrade it to about a 2.5 stars. Yeah. All right, next up, we've got Scrounger of Souls. This is four and a black for a three, four creature horror with lifelink. Certainly annoying to play against when you're red-white aggro. Um, yes. But, um, it's fine. I'm not, not crazy about it. But I will say, I think red-white aggro is good enough. I faced down a matchup where my opponent went 2-drop, turn 3 black cartouche, kill my Oketra's Avenger, turn 4 play something, turn 5 play Scrounger of Souls, and I still won that match with red-white exert. Was that the, uh, so I, the clip where you went to get a brownie? Uh, Possibly. I don't know. I <laughs> So many bad things happened to me. <laughs> the first few days of drafting this format, I was miserable. Uh, but yeah, um... I, I was able to overcome that. So I think that, and I think the Amonkhet red, white exert decks would not have been able to do that. Uh, my opponent also misplayed a little bit, but um, I do think that kind of highlights that red, white, red, white exert has some staying power too, even through the lifelink cards that punish it. Yeah. Next up we've got, oh, so we're, we're not picking this card, right? No. No. Fervent Paincaster is next. Oh, wait. That's why is that out of order? Spoiler, that's one of our uncommons. <laughs> All right. Uh, next common is Frontline Devastator. It's three and a red for a zombie Minotaur Warrior for 3-3 three, three with Afflict 2 and Smoke Breathing, coined by your very own oh, yeah. Ethan here on Lords of Limited. Uh, one and a red for <laughs> plus one, plus oh until end of turn. I am such an egotist. I, you said Smoke Breathing. I was like, that's a great name for that. Who came up with that? <laughs> oh, who me? Um... This card is better than I thought it was. I think we un- we really underrated Afflict, um, or at least I, I I feel like I did, especially Afflict two. Um, yes, I'm still not very thrilled about like Afflict one, but Afflict two I'm pretty excited about, and I think it stacks in very very real ways. Yeah, the the Afflict two, and, and even even if you don't have multiple Afflictors, I think it's just still very relevant for sure. Yeah, Afflict two plus the smoke breathing. Plus, it's a hill giant. This is all just a very good card. Not something I'd be happy first picking, but uh, I am happy to have uh, a couple in my red decks for sure. Yeah, and I think that's saying a lot. If you're pretty, I, like I'm, I'm happy to have two of these in my four drop slot in my red deck. Yeah, um, it doesn't make me want to play red, but I think it's a, a rock solid playable for sure. Um, up next, we've got Open Fire, two and a red for an instant, and it deals three damage to target creature or player. That last part being very relevant. I have domed several people out already with an open fire. Yeah. I played basically a red burn deck. I had uh, two of the Inferno Jets and two open fires. Um, Yeah, the doming is very relevant. I mean, this is still just the best red common and probably the best common overall in the set, right? That's where, yeah, that's where it's at for me. Yeah. Next up, we've got Life Goes On. Not for this card. Yeah, not for this card. Single green, instant, gain four life. For creature died this turn, you gain eight life instead. Card's unplayable. Don't put it in your deck. Nissa's Defeat is our... Nope, scratch this. Uncommons are out of order. Spoilers. Uh, Manolith is our next common. Uh, It's a three artifact. Tap, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. How do you feel about that? I think I'm lower on it than I was in the set review. I think I probably gave it like two and a half stars. Um, But I think it's just bad. I'm not... I think unless you're doing some, unless you have like really powerful stuff to ramp into and you're doing like a four color jank deck, I don't think you really want this in your, in your 23. Yeah. And even then you're not thrilled to have it in your four color jank deck, or at least I'm not. Probably. Uh, not. No. It just yeah. feels like there, there is such strong fixing and ramp in the format overall. This doesn't quite cut it. Yeah. I mean, like you want, you want the three and a green two, four that 
taps to add a color of mana to your mana pool and exerts for two mana. For sure. That's the card you want yeah. to ramp you. Not Manolith. Yeah. Um, all right. So on to our uncommons that I spoiled. First mm-hmm. one, Fervent Paincaster. Two and a red for a human wizard. Three, one. Tap, deal damage to target player. Tap, exert, uh, Fervent Paincaster. It deals one damage to target creature. This card's fantastic. Yep. Very good. Yeah. Nissa's Defeat, uh, that's the green color hoser, two and a green for destroy target forest, green enchantment, or green planeswalker. If that permanent was a Nissa planeswalker, draw a card. We're not putting that card in our deck ever. No, sir. Says destroy target sandworm convergence, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Next up is Cory Beetle, our third uncommon for oh, yes. uh, four and a green. We already talked about that one for the four five that says you may return a land card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Yep. Still same answer as before. Mm-hmm. Um, and a rare, a card that you, I think, pegged very correctly in the set review that I was wrong about, God Pharaoh's Gift. Uh-huh. Seven mana seven mana for an artifact. At the beginning of combat on your turn, you may exile a creature card from your graveyard. If you do, create a token that's a copy of that card, except it's a 4-4 black zombie. It also gains haste until end of turn. Yeah. I think that the haste text makes this card, pushes this card over the edge a little bit. And the fact that it, make cop- it makes copies of flyers, it re-triggers Enter the Battlefield abilities. I did not realize that initially about this, or Hour of Eternity, the blue card that was 3 blue 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 blue, blue XX. Yes. Or the Scarab um, to- God. Or the Scarab God. Yeah, I missed that on all those, and then the first time it happened, I was like, oh, dang, that's way better than I thought it was. Right. Because it like, it's just, it's what do you, it makes a 4-4 flyer, or it makes a 4-4 with Death Touch, or whatever, like... Any... Or a four-four angler drake that like, oh your God, thing. Yeah. That's happened to me several times in this format already. Yep. Yeah. Um, wow. Interesting. So, so we've got open fire, fervent paincaster, and Godfarrow's gift. Yeah, and this was this was on stream. Uh, Master Jareth was actually skyping in, and this was a very hotly contested pick uh, on stream. So I wanted to I wanted to get your take on it because I think it's a really good one. My guess I, is I think... if it's hotly contested, you were leaning the rare, and he was leaning fervent paincaster. Yes. You know us both very well. Uh, uh, and I wanted to try the rare, and I'd been crushed by the rare already several times, and I wanted to try building around it for science. Like, I think I have a pretty good idea of for how good Fervent Paincaster and Open Fire are, but also at this point, this was prior to any trophies, so I was also desperate to draft a good deck mm-hmm. <laughs> that won. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what, what do you think the pick is? I think the pick is Fervent Paincaster. That, just be, like, we've talked about, right, X1s are still a thing, but there isn't really a lot of ways to punish them. And Fervent Paincaster is a repeatable way to punish X1s. Um, I've, anytime my opponent has cast this card, I've been very miserable. And I quickly look at my deck list to be like, what can I top deck to kill this immediately before it takes over the game? Um, and I think that's a lot from a three mana uncommon. Um, and although I have played against the uh, Godfarrow's Gift once and it destroyed me, um, I would be, and it is colorless, I'd be more inclined to take the three mana repeatable pinger than the seven mana quote unquote bomb yeah uh so i i was actually on the side of open fire over fervent paincaster hmm. uh which i hadn't had a chance to play with fervent paincaster yet I, I haven't played with it or against it yet so oh, wow. um that that could be where i'm wrong there yeah um maybe once i see it i'll i'll get get in on that but Ma- yeah master jareth wanted the fervent paincaster chat was very split between all three cards um, and I ended up taking God Pharaoh's Gift. Um, and then moving off of it, because red aggro was open in my seat, and either one of the two red cards as results-oriented thinking would have been way better in my deck. But, yeah. um, so at that point in time, I had faced down God Pharaoh's Gift three times uh, in the finals. So it wasn't like I was facing this in round one and like getting wrecked by it. Mm-hmm. I had very good decks in the finals, and three times in the finals, I lost 
to this card specifically, like taking over the game in two out of the three games. What um, kind of decks do you feel like uh, God Pharaoh's Gift wants to be in? Uh, I think it wants to be in a controlling deck. Any any controlling deck with a lot of removal, uh, good creatures that want to trade off early, creatures that block well. Um, I think you're trying to leverage the game to the late game, and then I think anytime you play God Pharaoh's Gift in the late game, from what I've seen it do, you're going to win the game if it stays on the battlefield for two or more turns. Do you think there is a color or color pair that supports it best? Like, do you, think, do, you do you truly feel like it's a colorless card, or is it like... N- no, I think you need to be in green okay. uh, and, and ramp it, because I think green's the only color that really ramps you efficiently. I don't think Manolith and things like that are real cards to ramp you mm-hmm. outside of green. So I think it needs to be in a green deck with the Oasis Ritualist. Mm-hmm. Is that the two for? That is the two for. Uh, and Gift of Paradise and all those other things. Yeah. Um, oh, but great. I do think it's it's very real in that deck. I don't know, know that I would want to... I don't know. It's weird like how you get into that deck, and that's probably something we'll talk into in later weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think for now, at this point, like today, 15 drafts in on Friday. Or Saturday. It's Saturday. Jeez. Uh, 15 drafts in from Monday through Friday. My default is that I want to be drafting aggro unless aggro is not open in my seat, in which case I would try to audible into a deck with God Pharaoh's Gift. But mm-hmm. I do think this is a, a great finisher. Agreed. Yeah, that's a, that was, that's a great pack one pick one. Yeah, it was, it was tough. Okay, so moving onwards here, do you want to talk about uh, cards that we were wrong? We've already, you know, some of it came up in the Cracker Pack, but yeah. we could, some of them that weren't in the Cracker Pack, cards that we were wrong on or cards that have changed in evaluations for us. Yeah, I want to take a look at some cards that I had a chance to play with or against and just, like, changed my evaluation of them. Um, so I think one of the things we thought was a, a defining feature of this format was the ra- number of Wraths that exist. There are four, if we're counting the, uh, I'm not even going to try and say it, was it? The, the Hellion, the Hellion, the, Hellion, the five the red, Maw. red. Yeah, um, yeah, the five red, red, six mana or six six that uh, deals three to everything when it comes into play. Um, it is called Chaos Maw. Chaos Maw. Thank you. Okay, so we got to get better at that. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but why we're we doing name that card? It's gonna be great. It's gonna I'm be so excited. So bad. <laughs> it's gonna be so embarrassing. It's what it's gonna be. Um, okay, but and I think we're right about the evaluations for. Bantu's Last Reckoning, I think, is the black one. Um, and Hour of Devastation, I think, is quite good. I think Hour of Revelation, that's the three white, white, white one, is a little too slow, and I would bring my grade down on that card. Um, I have had it and found it kind of awkward to play. Um, uh, I feel similarly, but I still think it's powerful. I agree. Um, but I just think I think it is just a little too... Just because you, there's no way you're not... I think we were. I, I think it's much lower than whatever we said. Twenty five percent of the time, you're going to have ten permanents on the battlefield. I think it's probably much lower than that. Um, oh yeah, I think that's never happening. Yeah, so I think it's basically always going to cost six, and that's just a lot to ask for a wrath. Tough to like sculpt the game in such a way where you're going to get value on that card and then be able to rebuild in an effective way. Um, I still think it's a bomb in a, like or like a. I think it was a high pick. I'd probably still grade it uh, four stars, but I. I think I'll, I'll low four stars. And I, th- I think it's just kind of awkward because I don't really want it in my white-red deck. Maybe I want it in a white-black, like, attrition-y type deck. Um, but it's hard for me to see where it goes. And also, the rats get a little worse with the idea of Eternalizers and Embalmers floating around. 
that's the, that's the thing I found. I think all the wraths have gone down a slight notch for me, and I think uh, the white wrath, the hour, has gone down more than the others because of Embalm Eternalizers. And also, I've gotten wrecked in the finals a couple times when I've had a wrath in my deck and my opponents had Mirror Entity in play. I mean, that's an unlikely scenario to come up, but it happened mm-hmm. to me multiple times in a row, and I was I was pretty impressed with Mirror Entity on the other side of the battlefield, and you, it was very frustrating to play mean, against. You mean Mirage Mirror? I do mean Mirage Mirror. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> I've got a chance to play with against and with that card, and I think that wants to... I, I have an idea that I think that card mostly wants to be in a green deck with fatties, because, like, when they get to pay two mana to copy a Shafet Monitor, you feel pretty bad. Well, it, but it's also good in aggro decks to... Well, not, I don't know that I would want to start it in my aggro deck, but... In, maybe in that sideboard against that matchup because when you have like i was in that green deck and my opponent was playing aggro and I, I think they had it main deck but it was a house against me because when i played my giant fatties like they paid two mana to have a copy of it like so it wasn't yeah like, it was kind of a it kind of evened up the uh, fatty versus aggro matchup a little bit that feels like that seems lucky for that opponent rather than like i don't know in those in a red white deck playing that on turn three feel so bad like i want to play yeah that. i don't i don't i don't i certainly wouldn't main deck it i think they had a main deck but i do think that maybe would be a good sideboard card in that matchup yeah the other thing i i like an idiot ranked sand strangler above a braid as the best red uh uncommon and i think i would definitely give that nod to a braid and then i would probably give fervent Paincaster second billing there over sand strangler. interesting wow i that's that good i haven't had a chance to play with it yet yeah um vizier of the anointed is criminally underrated at the moment it is going so late that's the the two four blue card that finds an embalm or internalizer puts it in the graveyard and whenever you embalm or eternalize you get to draw a card it is basically a three for one on its own right you get the two four you get a creature that you can eternalize and once you eternalize that thing you get to draw a card off of it it's really really good stop passing it everybody just stop it yeah I agree. It's great. And I think we correctly nailed that in the set review. For sure. I just, I just want to like hit home for the listeners. Like you got to take this card higher than you are right now because yes. it's so good. It is a reason to play blue. Public service announcement. Don't yeah. pass Vizier of the Anointed. Exactly. I've seen it. I've seen it wheel. Yeah, I have too. And it's just, it's unbelievable to me. The going off the, the cycle of uh, the rare Eternalizers, I have had a chance to play with and against both or actually with and against Champion of Wits, that's the blue one, the two one, that when it comes into play, you loot twice, you draw two, then discard two. But then when you eternalize it for seven, you get to draw four and discard two. So very, very good. All it took was my opponent to cast it on its own as a three mana two one, and I was like, oh, yep, that's ridiculous. And if you have any other eternalized synergies, like getting to discard a Lab Guardian and then play that on turn four or whatever... It's just, it's very, it's a, more synergistic than I thought and very, very strong. Yep. Um, and I would ratchet my grade up to a four stars for that. Um, likewise, going to give Ben Wernie the nod here, Dream Stealer. That's the black uh, one of the cycles, three mana for the one, two menace, that when it hits the opponent, they have to discard the number of cards equal to its power. Not only is it just ridiculous on its own as a hypnotic specter of, of sorts, if you have any pump spells, it's absurd. And when it comes down as a four, four, it's just like, all right did you want anything in your hand because it's not there anymore yep card's been very good for me i've played with it and i've not faced it down yet but it was very good when i played with it yeah um that's basically the cards that i wanted to talk about in terms of re-evaluating them i did want to discuss dagger of the worthy um because i feel like 
looking at how uh, people in my Twitch chat have uh, been feeling about that card and looking at other uh, set reviews, it seems like we are in the minority of being uh, pretty high on this card. Uh, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, it's come down a little bit for me. Like, I, I think we gave it four stars. Mm-hmm. I think I would maybe downgrade it to three stars, three and a half stars. I still think it's very good, but... It, I think once I settled on the fact that the format was really aggressive, uh, only some decks want the card, right? It, it doesn't go in every deck. No. But I think basically if I have 14, 15 creatures in my deck, I want one. Well, and I think it's very good if you... I think the situation where I really want it is when I've spent most of my high picks in Hour of Devastation on the premium removal, mm-hmm. and I end up with a lot of, like derpy vanilla creatures like there's a lot of vanilla two twos vanilla three threes that don't like do much on their own and dagger the worthy makes those into insanely powerful threats then and so let's sort talking about those derpy creatures there's also derpy embalm and eternalizers that are like under costed on both halves which the dagger improves and there's also a number of utility creatures like the green the like the naga vitalist green creatures that tap for mana uh seeker of insight all of those, these things that are like early game utility creatures and then late game that kind of fall off and dagger turns them into real threats. There's also Feral Prowler too, right? The one three that when it dies draws a card. For sure, right? I think like, that, that card goes up with dagger or dagger goes up with that card, however you, whatever yeah, yeah. order you pick them in. Yeah. So I, I think, yeah, if I give it four stars, I might might ratchet it down a little bit to three and a half, but I still think this card is better than people are giving it credit for. I don't think you want two, but I think... No, you definitely don't want two. But I think if, if you've got... Yeah, my, my basically my rule right now is if I've got fourteen plus creatures, I want a dagger in my deck. Yeah, I think it's. I don't think you need to pick it highly though, because I think we're the only two that think it's. <laughs> if that's know. what it feels like. I know. It feels like we're on an island. I've like I've taken it early and then seen one like seventh pick and been like, well, that was stupid. Like I'll just wait to to let it wheel or whatever because no one wants to take it right now. Yeah, I've, I've also got some cards that have changed for me. Uh, the first one is Saving Grace. I think we were too low on this card. Uh, the one in white for a flash plus O plus three and redirects all damage that would be dealt to you or permanents you control to that creature. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actively want this over my first combat trick in any white deck. Whoa. Um, I've, I've gotten blown out by it several times, uh, either as a fog or planking a removal spell or whatever and the fact that it leaves around a permanent three toughness boost i think is much more real than i gave it credit for i've gotten blown out by it as fog in a couple games i've blown opponents out with it because after i got blown out with it i wanted to test it out it's been very good for me and against me i still don't think it's like you know it's not making me want to play white or anything but i think it's like a three stars three and a half stars type type combat trick and it also interacts very well with oketra's avenger if you exert your oketra's avenger you can save and grace onto it, and it absorbs all the damage. Um, that wombo combo is pretty pretty real, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it works on offense or defense. I don't know that we noted that in the set review. So that card's really impressed me. Cool. The Unconventional Tactics, the Zombie Build Around, I think, is also another real card. It's kind of slow and clunky, but I've gotten ground out by that card in a white-black zombies deck. Also, I think I think we kind of nailed that in the set review, but I just wanted to, to note that there. Mm-hmm. Um imaginary threats is another one uh boy was i so 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 wrong (laughs) on that card card is bad i think i was thinking the format was going to be slower than it is and that it was going to stall out and that is just not the case exert breaks through even the exert cards in hour of devastation are great obviously they're great nomen cat the board never stalls out you should not pick imaginary threats or put it in your deck i don't think yeah like maybe a one and a half stars something like that Hmm. it sounds like someone gave that 
one and a half yeah, stars. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I don't know who that would be. Huh, some <laughs> some handsome smart man probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, Merciless Eternal. I think you were a little higher on this card than me. That's the two and a black for the two two that has the discard atlas for plus two plus two for two and a black. Mm-hmm. It's also got afflict two. I think that card does enough that it's rock solid. Maybe three and a half stars. Yeah. The aff- doesn't, doesn't the afflict two on that is is just relevant. It's yeah, just... and I think the threat of activation is much more relevant than I gave it credit for. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so that card's overperformed for me, and it's been good for my opponents on the other side of the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Torments, other than Torment of Venom, the two black-black instant speed, I think are not good. You should not put them in your deck, uh, despite the fact that I've lost to Torment of Hailfire after casting a Wrath on an empty board uh. off the top of my opponent's deck. Uh. Uh, so, yeah, I... I think the uncommon one might be playable in sealed, but I don't think either of them are playable in draft. Firm stance, I'm standing by it. Because I think people think those cards are good and are wanting to make them good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Overcome is another one that's changed for me a lot. The the uh, Underrun, if you will. Mm-hmm. And I do think it's... I think that name is perfect because I think it's way underperforming what Overrun did. Um, it's three blue blue for a sorcery, plus two, plus two, and trample to your team. Three green green. Um, Oh, yeah, three green green. Sorry, I said three blue blue, didn't I? Uh, three green green uh, for plus two plus two and trample to your team. I think there's a couple hidden things about this card that make it way worse than it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you read like plus two plus two is less than plus three plus three, obviously. Math yeah. is hard. Um, <laughs> and I think you really want to have like four plus creatures out on the battlefield before this does anything. So yeah. I don't think, I think I was under the impression that you could just jam this into any deck with 15 creatures and it would be great. And I think that's just not the case. I think this is almost secretly a green-white-gold card, like in a green-white-go-wide deck. I, I think you have to be very actively going wide before this card becomes good. It doesn't do enough boosting to your team, I don't think, to make it... Like, I don't think you should be first picking this card. I think you should be in a go-wide deck and then let it come to you if it will i don't know i don't know if other people are gonna feel this way about it or not so maybe you won't get them if you don't pick it highly yeah but i think the only deck i really actively wanted in at this point is green white go wide i think it's kind of secretly a gold card i've had it in a couple different times i've had it in green white and i wasn't going wide enough and it was just okay and i had it in a green blue kind of aggressive deck with aerial guides and it was just i had two of them and it was just i I don't think you want two first of all i think that was a mistake but it just wasn't good and it's not been, I've not had it cast against me to win the game yet. I've had it cast against me and it didn't win my opponents the game. Yeah, um, I I've seen that scenario once. I've not played with it yet. It's it's just drastically underperformed for me. I would downgrade it to like a three and a half, I think, mm-hmm. if you're leaning towards going wide. Mm. So that, that one's changed for me a lot. I talked about Dagger a little bit. I think Farm to Market, Farm, I think we were pretty high on. That card has seemed just kind of interchangeable with Sandblast to me. And I'm I'm not trying to pick that card that highly anymore hmm. because I think there's a lot of removal that is good, good in red and black. So I think something that relies on the creature having to be attacking or blocking is just not premium. And I think the fact that Sandblast exists and Sandblast almost says the same thing yeah. as Farm just yeah. makes it uh, a little less good. I mean, obviously, it's still removal. You should still pick it highly. But I think we had it as a four. I would downgrade it to a three and a half maybe or a th- or three. It doesn't make you uh, want to play white. It does not make me want to play white anymore. Yeah, I think that's fair. Because I'm, I'm also much lower on Sandblast than I was before. Hoopoo has gone way up for me. Yeah. Um, I've In the finals, I've faced control decks, like the control mirror. And I think the, the Hoopoo is a huge trump card in the control mirror. I think it does enough work blocking against the aggro decks that it, I think it's just great if you're in green-blue. Yeah. 
having having the board be stalled out and facing down a hoopoo on the other side of the battlefield is a miserable miserable feeling um some other rares real quickly uh we talked about them a little bit already let's see apocalypse demon i played was just fine not exciting i think we got that one right in the set review I, can i quick quick pause i watched yeah. uh dr katz's stream the other night <laughs> that was great and he was yeah, playing against also. conley woods and he had a 23-23 Apocalypse Demon on like with like no cards left in his library and uh, attacked once for the win. Um, yeah. It was epic. And then Conley tweeted a picture of it with the phrase, this format, ellipsis. <laughs> That's so good. It was so good. That's great. Yeah. Um... We've already talked about God for his gift. We talked about Mirage Mirror. Uh, Driven to Despair is another one that's gone way down for me. I picked that pretty highly a couple times early in the format, mm-hmm. and I don't think Green Black wants to be aggressive, and I think Driven to Despair wants to be aggressive. So I think that's a little odds. That card is just trying to miserable do. when like it's sitting in your hand and you're behind. I had that the other day. I know that's just like kind of results oriented, but I yeah, uh, I, I just I don't think that card is. I think it sim- feels similar to Overrun in the like. Yeah, well, if I've got four creatures and I'm not on the back foot, then I can cast this and it's going to be great. But yep, that scenario is is a scenario where you're like already kind of winning. Right. Well, and I agree completely, too. And I think the reason that if you were behind in that situation is I don't think green black's the fastest deck in the format by yeah. a wide margin. No. So I think you're going to be on the back foot more of the time than you're not when you're in green black. Yeah, I think green black is wanting to stabilize versus trying to be the aggressor. Um, and another one, we, I mean, we nailed this in the set review, we gave it five, but Grind of Dust, I've cast several times already, and it has been insane. Yep, the card is fantastic. Yeah, uh, so that's a look at some cards there that shifted for us. Um, do you want to re-rank the commons here? Yeah, I think this would be a good good way to, to round out the episode, just a, a, a re-look at the top three commons in each color, um, because I think almost uh, across the board, there's been some shift for me. Um, so we'll start, start with uh, white again, I guess. I'm putting O'Catcher's Avenger number one. Yep, I agree. And then I think I'm putting Sandblast at number two. I agree. And then I'm putting uh, Dauntless Haven at number three. I agree, and I also have a note that uh, Haven of Enduring Hope is very good and gets an honorable mention. Uh, that card has been very good in races, and it's been very good in decks that are trying to stabilize against against an aggressor. For sure. I think, I think, I think that's I like think... a close four. I think Mummy Paramount's kind of secretly a gold card. I think it's only really good. That's the 2-2 that pumps itself plus one, plus one when a zombie enters the battlefield. Yeah. I think that's only good in black-white. And even then, it's not, like, necessarily insane in that deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, blue, moving onwards, I've got uh, Unquenching Thirst, number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, I've got Aerial Guide. Mm-hmm. Number three, I've got Spellweaver Eternal. Yeah, I actually just this morning swapped Aerial Guide for number one. Okay. Um, I th- I the only reason is I had unquenchable thirst in a blue black control deck with no deserts, and it made me sad. So yeah, I think you have to have the deserts. I think you have to have the, de- the deserts, which makes me want, which makes me think aerial guide. And aerial guide is just such a beating that I think uh, I'm just slightly higher on aerial guide than unquenchable thirst. I think they're really close, right? Yeah. So the the reason i have thirst first well first of all thirst i think it's a downgrade a little bit because of dauntless Aven and the untapped tricks right that exist and, in the and format. like v- vizier of tumbling sands yes i've also gotten blown out i've gotten yeah. blown out by my opponent mirage mirroring my own vizier of tumbling sands oh to untap God. the unquenchable thirst that i put on their creature <laughs> the that was beats, pretty brutal. Ben, the beats yeah the beats we had a lot going on in the beginning of this format <laughs> uh so but i do think thirst 
still stays number one for me because I think I've decided the format's aggressive and having a two-mana play on turn two in blue that can lock down an Oketra's Avenger or whatever yeah. two-drop exerter that they have that's great that they've attacked with uh, is good enough. Um, uh, and this this is like a bit, maybe it's not quite uh, analogous, but I think it might be slightly better than Compulsory Rest in some senses because of it, Embalm and Eternalize. They're like you yes, get to unquenchable thirst yes. uh, an eternalizer and they don't get to sacrifice it. It feels so much better. I agree. Yeah. And the, the aerial guide's second for me because I I haven't found blue wanting to be very aggressive unless it's paired with white. Mm-hmm. I certainly think you can draft blue aggressive decks, but when you're not the most aggressive in the matchup, mm-hmm. aerial guide is such a terrible blocker. That's very true. Like I've had aerial guide on the battlefield as not the aggressor, and it's just it's just miserable. Yep. So it's great when you're ahead, not good when you're behind. So I that's why that. that's why I've got thirst number one. Yeah, I imagine black is probably the same for you. Yeah, uh, I don't remember what I have third. Well, anyway, so I think uh, for me, lethal sting is number one now. I agree. Um, I I had swapped this with torment of venom, and I was just dead wrong. The minus one minus one counter clause is not that big of a downside, and having a catch all removal at common is really ridiculous. Um, but sorry, go ahead. Uh, I, I just wanted to say I had three lethal stings last night mm-hmm. in a in a black deck that didn't have like valuable creatures to dump minus one minus one. I had no creatures that I wanted to put minus one minus one counters on. Yeah, I think it's and 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 it was still great. Like I had three of them. I had no creatures where I wanted to put minus one minus one counters on, and it was still very very good every time I cast it. Yeah, I mean I think it's like ideally it's in black green, and that's where its best home is because green provides you with like beefy creatures that's like well i turned my 4-4 into a 3-3 no big deal um but yeah i totally agree when i'm turning my 2-2 into one into a 1-1 it's for a good reason and the reason is to kill the best creature on the other side of the board um second i have torment of venom i agree and i think i think it's actually pretty close with lethal sting if you're in an aggressive deck i Mm -hmm. think aggressive black decks really really want torment of venom yeah because that they're almost always going to take the three damage and if they're not then you're getting a card yeah um and third i think is kenra eternal I do not have that one third. I had I had the three three. I just remembered I had the three three zombie that can't block Mara- three, marauding three bone slasher. Yeah, I had that uh, as number three, and I've actually changed it to uh, wretched camel. If you've got deserts, I'm not. I've not been very excited about Kenra Eternal. Oh, I like I like Kenra Eternal. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll play it in all my black decks, but I'm not. I've not found myself picking it very highly. Mm-hmm. It was hard for me. I, I'm not very excited about any of the black commons after lethal sting and torment of venom yeah i think yeah I mean, maybe ken returnal is like secretly a white black card i don't know but I, I i think i would imagine i haven't really played with black red yet but i would imagine it's also pretty good in black red it, i had three of them in my black red deck last night and it was good i mean yeah. it was fine it performed yeah but I, I think i feel badly about it because i don't think it's anywhere near on the level of oketra's avenger or like ronas's stalwart is that the green yeah. two drop exerter uh yeah all right going on to red i think we're probably pretty I think this stays the same, yeah. Open fire, puncturing blow, Kenra scrapper. I agree. Yeah, I don't think much much to talk about there. Uh, we already talked about puncturing blow, being able to kill gods, which is quite relevant, and also getting rid of eternalizer and bombers. And uh, Kenra scrapper is a very very good creature. Um, what about green? What do you got there? Uh, I have ambuscade number one, mm-hmm. Ronus stalwart number two, and mm-hmm. I came around and I put the oasis ritualist as number three. You know, I I'm gonna let you down here. I got bitterbow sharpshooter at number three. Uh, see, that's interesting to me because Bitterbow Sharpshooter to me, 
Well, I think Green's commons are really split, right? Half of them want to be aggro and half of them want to be control. Same uh-huh. same as it was in Amonkhet. Yeah. And I think the sharpshooters... Maybe sharpshooters is good because they can go in either deck and it performs yeah. in either deck. Uh, but I think Ritualist is so good in the I decks. I totally agree. But, like, let's just talk about this for a second. Ambuscade, Stalwart, Sharpshooter, uh, Ritualist, Harrier Naga, Rampaging Hippo. Those are all very good cards. Yeah, I think red and green both have really, really deep commons. Really deep commons. It's it's ridiculous. Like, uh, I just, uh, I think green got such a huge boost in Hour of Devastation. Yep, um, it's good. All right, so, and then maybe for the ultimate ranking... Give us a top five commons overall. Uh, so my number one common overall is Open Fire. Yep. Uh, number two, I have Ambuscade. Mm-hmm. Number three, I have Lethal Sting. Mm-hmm. Number four, I have Torment of Venom. And number five, I have Oketra's Avenger. Interesting. Uh, I have Open Fire at number one. Uh-huh. I have Oketra's Avenger at number two. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Okay. I think... Maybe I'm being too uh, analogous to, like, Magmus Bray, Gustwalker as number one and number two of the last format, but that's really what these two cards feel like to me. And I think as as long as Oketra's Avenger is going around the table, I'm going to be snatching it up, and I, I think it's a reason to get into white um, if I see it, like, fourth pick. Anyway, but then I do go Ambuscade, Lethal Sting, and I actually have chosen Puncturing Blow over Torment of Venom as my backup removal spell. Um, just because I found its flexibility and its sort of ability to uh, take care of resilient threats like the gods or like the embalmers really pushes it over the top for me. Yeah. All right. Very cool. All right. Well, we're now going to get into what is going to be certainly the most embarrassing segment of this episode. It is going to be awesome. I am so psyched. As you all may have noticed, Ben and I have a little trouble remembering cards names, so we thought we'd challenge each other to a little segment we're going to call... Name that card. Uh, So we've each got a list of five cards, uh, three commons, one uncommon, and a rare, uh, that we are going to pose to the other person. We are going to describe the text of the card and then uh, see if the other uh, person can name that card. Pretty straightforward. I think we should do all five in a row for one person. Totally agree. Okay. Do Do you want to name that card first or do you want me to? I'll name that card first. You want to name that card first. Oh, All no. right. Oh, no. I'm so scared. This is going to be so fun. <laughs> okay. It's time for Name That Card. All right. Your first card is a white creature, zombie, mm-hmm. three and a white for a two five. Name that card. Are those dutiful servants? Uh, that card's been named. Ding, 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 ding. You're on the board. I was about to say those who still block, but <laughs> I didn't. Okay. I was hoping to trip you up there because I went through quickly and I tried to think about the cards that I had no idea what the names were, uh-huh. and that was one of them. Yeah. Okay. Your next card is two and a blue for a creature. It's a Naga Cleric, a one four. It has blue Tap, discard a card, target player puts the top three cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. Name that card. Oh no, uh, it's a long one. So, it's like something of the forgotten <laughs> something. Uh, sh- no, uh, maybe I can get half credit? Uh, uh, I'll start you off. It's Seer of the... Oh, Seer of the Forgotten Way? 
last tomorrow. <laughs> so sorry. All right, so you're one and one. I said um, of the. You did say of the. Yeah, you got you got that it was a long name. Yeah. Your next one is a white card, three and a white for a creature, a human cleric. It's two three vigilance, and it has eternalize for four white white. Name that card. No way do I know this card's name. No, I'm not even gonna. Wait. I'm not gonna waste anyone's time. Uh, this is okay. No, I feel like it, we have to try and put. We have to try and do it because that that feels more in line. Okay, this is um, um, merciless, <laughs> merciless man. <laughs> this is. Steadfast Sentinel. Steadfast Sentinel. I knew it was alliterative. That was good. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, all right. Your <laughs> uncommon. Your uncommon is two and a green for a creature, a Naga cleric for a two three, and it has one tap and untapped desert you control. You gain one life. Name that card. Uh. Um. Uh, this is is this a ramian app one is this like it is not a ramian app one it is also it is alliterative it's like dune deliverance or what a deliverer so so close dune what do you do when you're looking for water you have a what kind of a rod dune diviner yes Ugh. all right dune diviner all right that's that's half credit one and a half yeah um Okay, and your rare... Oh, I shouldn't have given you this rare. Your rare... This is going to be really embarrassing if you don't get it, though. Oh, no. Your rare is a green card, one and a green, for a creature, Jackal Wizard, for a 2-2. When this card enters the battlefield, you may have target creature get plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is its power, and it's got Eternalize for four green green. We talked about this card earlier on the episode. Name that card. Um, so, I think I'm just, like, trying to go... Because I think I called this the wrong name when we were doing it like i think i called it resilient kenra but that's wrong right nope that's it oh that's you it? got it okay resilient kenra uh, that card's been named so two and a half two and a half that's All gonna right. be a tough score to beat <laughs> Set, setting the bar high all right i have officially put away mtg goldfish okay your first common is two and a blue for an instant counter target spell unless its controller pays one for each card in your graveyard and it has cycling for two colorless name that card boom countervailing winds wow no studying he's he's got it uh, that card's been named okay that's one uh your next card is three and a black for a four two zombie beast with cycling for one black name that card Oh god. This is like <laughs> rotting something. Oh, this is categorized as terrible black cycling creature in my brain. Yeah. Uh hulking rot beast. It's not I'm giving you half credit for that. Lurching rot beast. Oh yeah. dang. Got that was way closer than I thought I was gonna be. Yeah, that was really good. Alright. Okay. Your next is one red for an instant. Target creature gets plus one plus oh and gains first strike until end of turn. Name that card. Oh, God. This is a, the reprint. Oh, no. This isn't even unplayable. No, it's not. Uh, oh, dang it. <laughs> I just, it's like right there, but I have no idea. Just give me a guess. Give me a guess. Uh, 
<laughs> I can't even think of a guess that doesn't sound ridiculous. P- puncturing jump. Yeah, not bad. It's kindled fury. <laughs> oh my god, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> All right, so you're you're one and a half right now. Moving on. This this doesn't this feels kind of unfair, but I'm gonna gonna do it anyway. This is too colorless for an artifact that has. One tap to exile target card from a graveyard. Oh, 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 I know this card because I thought about giving it to you, and I didn't because I'm a gentleman. Yeah, you are a gentleman. Sorry, right, go ahead, go ahead. And it is one exile this card, exile all cards from all graveyards. Name that card. That is Crook of Condemnation? Oh, I deserve that for sure. Two and a half going on to the rare. This is for all the marbles. That is the only reason I know that's card name. I literally looked at it like two hours ago. And I was like, nah, I shouldn't do that to Ethan. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that that was that's part of the the, the calc that's a calculated risk there, I guess. Um your rare is a land, it's a desert. It adds a generic mana to your mana pool. It has two tap exile target creature you control, and four tap sacrifice this card, return each creature card exiled with it to the battlefield under its owner's control. Name that card. Uh, like it's something like Desert of the Eternal Sands. Is that your final guess? That is my final guess. I think that's good. We got to give you half half credit there. It's Endless Sands. Oh, that was <laughs> no, that was not close. You had the word Sands. You said Eternal. I think I think we got to give you. Didn't half I say there. Final? Did I say Eternal? You said Eternal. What is it? What is the actual name? Endless Sands. You said like Desert of the Eternal Sands or whatever. Mm, I think it's fairly good to guess sand when we're talking about a desert, but I'll take it. So but three to the, two and a half of the. Th- I think three to two and a half because it's of the three rare lands. It's the only one that has the word sands in it. All right, all right. I think I think three seems fair. That was great. That was so fun. That was great and so <laughs> embarrassing. All right, what can people expect next week, Ben? Uh, yeah, next week, I think we're going to continue what we've been doing. Uh, you and I are both going to be grinding drafts on Twitch. Mm-hmm. And I think we're going to dive into the color pairs uh, a lot deeper and talk about like which color pairs want to be aggressive, which colors want to be defensive, why, how you get into the color pairs, maybe. Yeah, and I think also, as we started to touch on today, like what cards are secret gold cards? You know? Yes. Um, yeah, so I think I think that's what you can expect for next week. Quick thank you, as always, to Springtide for our intro-outro music. Uh, the song you heard was the introduction with no words. Music can be found at www.springtide.jp. And we've also got, uh, you heard a new introduction this week. Um, that music was composed specifically for Lord Tupperware and the podcast uh, by one of his Twitch followers, uh, Salty Pretzels. So huge shout out to Salty Pretzels. Thank you very much for that. Yeah. Um, if you guys want to get in touch with me or Ben directly, you can, of course, come spam our Twitch chat. Both of us are on there most days of the week at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware for myself and twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. That's Mr. spelled out. Uh, that's where Ben's at. And both of us are under those uh, handles on Twitter as well, Lord Tupperware and Mr. Metronome. Uh, yeah, and if you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, if you've got a pack one, pick one you think was really interesting that you want us to go deep on on the show, uh, send us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. We're both really excited about the possibility of interacting with our listeners. Um, and if you've, if you've enjoyed the first few episodes of the podcast so far and you want to leave us a positive review on iTunes or Stitcher, that would be awesome. We would really appreciate that. Uh, and the podcast is also soon to be up on mtgcast.com. And if you've got any other places you would like to see the podcast uh, available, please please shoot us an email at Lords of Limited. 
Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Yep, thanks everybody. See you later.